Joel Thurm was a casting director in Hollywood. He's got a book out now, Sex, Drugs, and Pilot Season. Ah, uh, time to dish, Joel. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you guys. Yes, you know, I was I spent the better part of a decade in Hollywood. Even lived at what? I was uh at living at the Magic Castle Hotel. I was a stand up comedian. And I was oh. reading for, it was pilot season when all the New Yorkers would come out. What was that, like in March every season, right? Well, roughly, yeah. You know, March, April, May, yeah. three months. Uh, did they let you wear jeans? I, uh, I believe, <laughs> well, the guy who put a kibosh to my acting career was Ed uh, Weinberger. This would have been like 86. How did he put a kibosh to you? I was too young. I made the final cut out of like 100 actors. I got it down to uh, Dear John, it was called, a Judd Hirsch show. I remember Dear John. No, it's a very good show. Yeah, I remember it very well. I may have read for you. You could have been the nail in my coffin, Joel Thurm. I I might have, but obviously uh, you survived. Are you a vampire? Hey, Joel, when you do your line of work, what tools are you given? Are you given a script? Are you given a description of what the director or the uh, writers are looking for? How does how does it work before you cast? Well, basically, you're always given a script because otherwise, well, actually, in a couple of cases, I wasn't given a script when you, when I was, for instance, had to cast Tommy at one point, you're not given a script, you're given a record. But normally, you're given a script and you read the script and then you come up with ideas based on what you read and discussions that you have with the people who are making the decisions, like the director and the writer and so on. So that's the way it works. And Joel Torg, my partner there, who just asked you the last question, he is a huge, cheers, probably your all-time favorite, right, Torg? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted Danson. He's a man, obviously a man of great taste. Yes, yes. Ted Danson, tell us a story. Well, uh, is this a live broadcast, right? Uh, so I, yes. I can't, so I can't really use the language that I use to get him apart. Well, right? we can bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I want to know that that story then. Well, no, no, no. It's very, it's it's quite simple, and I can adjust. Okay. Um, it came down to um, uh, what? It, and the funny thing about this decision, it was made by all men. There wasn't a single woman in the room. But uh, everybody agreed Shelley Long was perfect, so that was easy. But it came down to two people, a wonderful actor named William Devane, who's most known for a television piece he did called The Missiles of October, where he played JFK, yeah. and, and Ted Danson. <clears throat> and um, Bill was exactly what they wrote in the script, an over-the-hill ball player. And he was probably, and is probably, about 10 or 15 years older than, uh, than Ted. But I thought, thinking a little out of the box, that Ted could still be an over-the-hill ball player. Uh, and the way it worked out was that he had a drinking problem, and that's what you know got him out of uh, out of out of sports. But that he had much more appeal to women uh, than than uh, than Bill Devane would have. And so, at the final casting session, I uh, it, it kept going around the room and it kept going circular with my boss, Grant Tinker who was a very proper Brooks Brothers-y gentleman. Um, you know, you would yeah. never curse. You would never curse in front of Grant. And I finally said, look, Grant, it's very simple. More women in this country are going to want to buff Ted Danson than Bill Devane. Yeah, and, and you <laughs> and, know what? And, 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 wait a minute, and, and Grant acted like a, like a society matron and like made a motion to clutch his pearls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
when you went, but when this, when the discussion went around the room again, it was decided to go with Ted. So I did my work. <laughs> and, 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 and even though you might have had one or two, you know, uh, episodes of the script, you know, throughout the series, that was such a huge uh, thing for the Sam Malone character was the womanizing. It was the central part of the show, basically. Oh, it was. Absolutely. No, it was brilliant writing on the show. I mean, that show would never have been successful unless the writing was superb, and it was, and the cast, and the supporting cast was sensational, too. I mean, it, it, everything was right about yeah. that show. That everything is was right. Uh, legendary casting director Joel Thurm, the title of the book, Sex, Drugs, and Pilot Season. Now, when you go back, when you first got to Hollywood, I mean, the changes you have seen from working with a closeted Rock Hudson to what we see today in 2023, you no wonder you wrote the book. You have, you must have seen the change has been incredible for you. Well, in in that area, being closeted, can you name me one out um, movie star, feature film movie star? There are none today. I mean, you know, yeah, today it hasn't changed. Kevin Spacey. First of all, he's not a handsome leading man. I'm talking, <laughs> handsome, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about handsome leading men movie stars. You know, character actors could always be K because they weren't really. You know, yeah. Kevin could have come out years ago and it wouldn't have changed yeah. his career. Um, but uh, but in terms of handsome leading men, no, it's, the things haven't changed. Television has eased things up a bit, but not feature films. Interesting. So there are a lot of people still a lot, and it's 2023, who cares? You're watching a character in a movie. I I could care less about anyone's sexual orientation. But so you think there's still a, you probably know a majority of gay actors that are afraid. What are they afraid of? No, I don't. Actually, I don't. You know, come on. I'm a book writer now. I'm a book writer with, by the way, and the book is actually number one in several categories on Amazon. I was I was shocked to learn this the other day. Oh, it's getting so a lot of publicity. I'm, I'm kind of thrilled. Yeah, because you know why I'm getting a lot of publicity? Because A, I push, number one. And two, because the book is really good and interesting. And it, uh, and basically gives you a history of uh, the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s of how things actually worked uh, in L.A. casting, in L.A. film and television. Sure. Let me ask you this, Joel. All those years at uh, NBC, you mentioned Grant Teeker. Do you have a Johnny Carson story? you got to have something. <clears throat> yeah, well, first of all, well, oh, God, I can't tell this one because it's, it's okay. uh, uh, only because there are too many things in it that uh, – but, but he was a very, very, very private person, and I was only able to get – in all my years at NBC, I was only able to get one person on the Carson show, and that was Joey Lawrence when he was a little kid. Oh, Blossom! <laughs> yeah, the show Blossom. Yeah, yeah. No, no, before, way before Blossom, I had uh, his agent or someone had sent me a tape of a couple a commercial that Joey had did when he was a little kid in a bubble bath. Uh, playing, you know, and then there was one of him in, you know, black, uh, what do you call it, black tie, I mean, white tie and tails, singing Give My Regards to Broadway, this little six-year-old kid, and it was adorable. So I sent the tape over to Jim McCauley, who was the booker, and Jim showed it to Carson, and it was the only person I ever got on the Carson show, and Joey was terrific, because when Carson sat him down on the couch, uh, Carson said, "Have you? Do you know my show? Have you ever seen it?" And the kid Joey said, 
Well, once when I was throwing up and walking to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was good stuff, Joel. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book "Sex, Drugs, and Pilot Season." Joel Thurm is with us now. Joel, everybody knows the term "the casting couch." We know what happened with Harvey Weinstein, but has that uh, kind of sleeping with the director or the casting director to make it? Did that end at some point, or is that still going on in Hollywood? In your well, opinion, you, you're asking the wrong person because it was something that I never did. But ever, you had to know Pete had your colleagues, right? Did you know what was Well there was there were there were two people that I know who did that. Uh one, one was an agent and one was a casting director. And they bragged to me about doing it. And it was very simple. I never spoke to them again. Good for you. Never spoke to yeah. them again. I mean it's just I mean I have my own I have a peculiar sense of right and wrong, but this was definitely on the wrong side. And I and I didn't need uh, you know millions of magazine and newspaper articles to tell me that it was wrong. Yeah. So that was my and you know one of them was a, one of them was and he's dead now was Alec Baldwin's agent. It was he was a very good agent who had many many good good uh, uh, what do you call it? good actors and in, in actors and actresses. But I would never talk to him uh, never talk to him again. I just talked to other people in his office. So the rest of the client list didn't suffer, but I would never talk to him again. Yeah, and Joel, I don't want to age you at all, but uh, you were there. If you if you were active, being as big as you were, you personally, in the 70s, you did still get a glimpse of kind of, I don't want to say the golden age, but a lot of those stars, they were still around. Did, Hollywood lost its luster a bit? Do you, do you kind of pine for those days? I don't want to age you again. No, but. no. I, I think, I, well, first of all, I'm 80 years old, and I look great. So why okay. not? <laughs> all right. So all I, right. You know, uh, yeah. I'm not, comp- not complaining at all. Um, no, I actually think that right now we are in a platinum age with all the extraordinary, wonderful things that are coming across streaming. That's cool. I think, you know, the, 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 uh, we had some very, very good shows during the three network era, but now that with, you have all these other alternatives, I mean, man, I mean, you never have to leave your house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, so I, I and, and I think the quality of writing has gone up, you know, restrictions right. have been, uh, things that you couldn't say or do or show are gone for the most part. So no, I think uh, it, uh, the, in, in terms of my particular era, I think the 80s, the 80s on NBC was an extraordinary time. I mean, we, when I started there, NBC was like below zero in terms of ratings. And when I left, at the, it was at the top. And for one reason was Brandon Tartikoff, who was brilliant at his job of being, you know, head of programming. And I don't he had several different titles. And my relationship with Brandon, Brandon trusted me completely. And, yeah, we had disagreements, but uh, he almost always backed me yeah. up. Well, and, you know, so I, that, that was my take on it. NBC in the 80s was fantastic, just like CBS was in the 70s. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, the, the 70s sitcoms, the 80s sitcoms, that Thursday night lineup. and Exactly. That, then yeah. Seinfeld and Friends. and But is the is the network sitcom, is, is the time of the big hits the – Every now and then you get a you know Modern Family or a Big Bang Theory, but it seems like the network sitcoms on life support. I, I agree, and and judging from my own viewing habits, um, there isn't one that I watch. I mean, yeah, I, I I mean, I really I haven't. I just I've been very busy with certain things, and I haven't had time to 
set my recorder to just to check on the new night court to see if that's as good as the old one. Um, but I've got to tell you, my my secret. Well, this cannot be so secret after I reveal it. And my secret, uh, what do you call it? What's the word for trashy, wonderful television? Yeah, is law is guilty law pleasure. Law, guilty pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, Law and Order SVU. <laughs> Okay. Hey, Joel. I mean, what was the? There is no show better than that. What's the hardest show for you to cast? What was the hardest show? Let me think about that. Uh, Oh God, I I wish I'd known this question earlier. I would have thought about it more. It's my got you question. Starsky and Hutch, Miami Vice. No, 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 no. Well, Miami Vice was hard in that. um, Let's say the the network had a say in it. Brandon Tartikoff had a say in it. Uh, the guy under Brandon, who was named Jeff Zagansky, had a say in it. Michael Mann, who created it, had a say in it. Yeah. And I had a say in it. And we all disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, Brandon, and this is why he was so brilliant at his job, basically said, you know what? Let Michael Mann, he wrote it, let him have who he wants. And that's what happened. And he had Don Johnson. You know that was uh, that was it. I I might contributed I contributed Philip Michael Thomas in the sense that I had worked with him on a musical several years back, and I knew he was a very good actor. And so when they said that they wanted him, they came to me for approval, and I said sure. But what I didn't realize, and nobody would until the show began, that you know once the show began, it was very clear that it really wasn't a partnership, but that it was Don Johnson who was going to you know sail away with it. Cool guy for sure. Sex, Drugs, and Pilot Season is the book. Uh, we encourage everyone, get over to Amazon, get that Sex, Drugs, and Pilot Season book that Joel has written. Um, I got to ask you, Robert Reed, yeah. what, friends? What about, it? what about Robert Reed? Ask the question. I'll answer it. Well, it, I just saw an excerpt from the book, and you had a, uh, a relationship with Ray. Oh, you said uh, I. No, I, I heard I he would could not be called that a relationship. He was. Uh, first of all, uh, that movie was a a love affair with everybody. Everybody on the piece, with the exception of Robert Reed, was there because they loved the piece. Okay. And Robert uh, Robert Reed was he was there for the paycheck. He was not used to not being the center of attention. And the center, the center was? The center of attention was John Travolta. Yeah, for, for, yeah. A, for A, one, he was the center of the show. But also, because of his schedule, we only had 17 days to use Travolta before he had to go back to doing Welcome Back, Cotter. So naturally, the schedule was skewed around around John. And and it and it uh, and it was unkind to the rest of the actors, but all the rest of the actors were okay with it except Reed. Um, so <laughs> so I went into his trailer to make nice, literally, and don't read into that. I won't. But but no. But what happened is, you know, I try to explain. Look, you know, I, I'm sorry, but we had to uncurl your hair and then curl it back twice in the same day. <laughs> but we needed to do that to show passage of time. Um, so it's, yes, I know that it's a, it's, it's not great doing this. And I started giving him a back rub and he seemed to respond. And then I guess I rubbed a little lower. <laughs> okay. Okay. Shouldn't have been done. Got done. You know, what can I say? Yeah, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, I was, but I was doing it for the team. I wasn't yeah. doing it for, I wasn't doing uh. it because it was, you know, and then the, the worst part of it was, 
he became the same miserable whatever right afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah. You're making me crazy. <laughs> Paul Lynn, remember him? Yes, I love Paul Lynn. He's from Mount Vernon, isn't he? Right yes, here in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you grow up, Joel? I grew up, and I'm serious about this, and you can check it out, at 712 Hendricks Street in the East New York section of Brooklyn. Ah. On my grandfather's farm, that's F-A-R-M, it was a dairy farm with 50-some-odd cows. In Brooklyn? Two, two blocks from the Van Sicklin Avenue L-stop. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. It was like, um, it, it's, you know, my, my grandfather's uh, uh, family had come over from Poland, and they all bought little plots of land in Brooklyn and Queens and became dairy farmers. Wow. Yeah. So are yeah. you? Are, have you gone back to New York? Or are you still in uh, California? Oh, no, no. I, I go. I, I live in California. Okay. Believe me, I go back to New York yeah. every time I get a chance. To, sure, sure. Um, because it's wonderful. I mean, I love going. I there. Is, I I miss going to the theater. My I cut my teeth on being David Merrick. Do you know who David Merrick was? David Merrick I, was. The no. most important. The most important Broadway and theatrical producer in the sixties. Okay. And shows like Hello Dolly, Gypsy, and if we go to drama, Rosencrantz and Goldenstern are dead. I could. There's a whole list. Cactus Flower. Um, anyway, the point is, uh, I was his casting director, and uh, or I became a casting director while I was working in his office in a business capacity. And um, so I love theater. I mean, yeah. I go back to New York. The first thing I do is, okay, which shows do I want to see? And I book them first. I, so I, I love New York. I just read Paul Newman's autobiography. I had no idea he had that kind of history on Broadway. No oh, yeah. idea. Yeah. No, that's that. That's yeah. Right. No, that's where that's where. Right? Um, oh, here's a Paul Newman story, which I'll never forget. Okay. Okay. Do you remember the play, or there's been several iterations of it, Boys in the Band. It was like the first gay play written by Mark Crowley. Okay. Uh, all right. Anyway, it was in a small off-Broadway theater, and I went to see it, but there were no tickets, but I knew the producer, so he let me stand in the back. And standing in the back of the theater next to me was Paul Newman. There was no seat for him. Joanne Woodward got a seat, but he couldn't. <laughs> and I stood next to him during the entire play, and uh, we're about the same size, actually, when neither one of us is extraordinarily tall, shall we say. But every time there was a joke, we would turn to each other. Oh, if he's laughing, I guess it's OK for me to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, have you done that when it's in a situation where you turn? To sure. Yep. You to yeah. Yeah. So, th so that's what we did. That is my entire Paul Newman story. <laughs> Oh, uh, we do that every morning. What a yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Joel, gosh, what a pleasure! You are an interesting man. Well, thank you. And did you buy the book? I will after this interview. All right. You know, it's uh, I forget what its numbers are doing very, very well on Amazon. Um, Twenty eight dollars for the soft cover, forty two hard, but it's always more expensive when it's hard. But, uh, oh, jeez. Joe, yeah, Joe. You're, you're, you're teeing yeah. us up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the book, Sex, Drugs, and Pilot Season. Hey, Joel, thanks so much. Thank you, sir. Well, thank, thank you very much for having me. You guys are fun. Do, uh, do this again. Absolutely. All right, we'll thanks, keep Joel. your number, Joel Thurm.